0: Amen. Thank you, Lonnie and Miss Hope. I just want you to know got my stopwatch going right here. And uh, it don't really mean anything. At the top it says stopwatch, and so I thought maybe I'd bring it up here. And you'd, You're feeling better already, aren't you? I thought you would. i tell you what. It's a joy to be here this morning. Our pastor today is in First Baptist Church in Dallas, listening to Richard Scoggins preach. I don't know whether you've ever seen the pastor of First Baptist Dallas, but he looks like a twin brother to Richard Scoggins. And uh, he's one of the great preachers in our country today. And so, you know, he had a choice. He thought he might go to Preston Wood. He thought he might go and hear Tony Evans. And Jack Graham is one of the great Bible preachers in our nation at Preston Wood. If you don't listen to him, uh, you need to take time to do that. He's a man that takes a firm stand on biblical issues. Right now, he's preaching on some of the great... Issues that we face today. He preached on on uh, homosexuality, and when you pastor a big church in a big city, that takes a lot of guts in this day and time. Last week, you preached on abortion, done an outstanding job. If you ever get a chance to hear Jack Graham, then you need to do that. You know, somebody uh, told me today he said, "I'm I can't wait to hear you preach," and I said, "I can't wait to hear myself preach. I have no idea what I'm going to say." And, uh, but, but anyway, and so we'll all be surprised when we get done, you know, my boys tell me at this, uh, later age and point in my life, they occasionally remind me, said, dad, you need to be careful. Uh, your filter is uh, a little loose and broken as you get older and said, uh, you need to guard your words a little more carefully said you're liable to say anything. And so uh, if I get in trouble, y'all help me out, all right, because I really don't know what I might say today. And I want to make sure it's politically correct. And I appreciate it. Here's was bragged on my tie. This is my Donald Trump tie, all right? And so uh, <laughs> so uh, I, just, I, I didn't want to confuse you or anything about which side I was on. <clears throat> if you have your Bible today, I want to invite you into the of Zechariah. That is in the Old Testament. Sometimes you might have trouble. But uh, if you uh, can find the book of Micah, then Zechariah lives right next door to Micah. And today we're going to be looking at Zechariah chapter 11. I appreciate all the help today about what I might preach. You won't believe how many suggestions that I have received today and said, do you think maybe you could preach this sermon and and I, and I couldn't remember what sermon that was. And then somebody said, why don't you preach that sermon on all the body parts? And said, I like that. And then somebody wanted me to preach about when I told about my grandmother shouting when I got saved and, and everything. And then somebody said, could you tell the story about Charlie Mosey the night he got saved? And you and Bill and Gene Wade were there. And I thought about all those. And, and uh, you know, but I feel that the Lord has led me today uh, to preach them this passage of Scripture in Zechariah chapter 11. You know, I, I appreciate your kindness toward Pam and I in the days that she's kind of been an invalid a little bit and kind of down. And, and man, I couldn't believe all those kind of things she said about me in the bulletin. I didn't read it till after somebody had told me. And she never said anything nice like that, you know, in public about me. And, and, and so I was, I was, I was kind of excited about that. But I can tell you guys one thing. If you ever get in trouble and you can't help yourself, if you need me to come shave your legs, I'll help you out. <laughs> or I can, take, I can take the polish off your toenails. <laughs> I'm telling you, the filter is gone. <laughs> if you have your Bible today, Zechariah chapter 11... We're going to begin reading verse 1, Zechariah chapter 11, verse 1. It said, Open thy doors, O Lebanon, that the fire may devour thy cedars. Howl, fir tree, for the cedar is fallen, because the mighty are spoiled. Howl, O ye of sabation, for the forest of the vintage has come down. There is a voice of the howling of the shepherds, for their glory is spoiled. The voice of the roaring of young lions for the pride of Jordan is small. Thus saith the Lord my God, feed the flock of the slaughter whose possessors slay them and hold themselves not guilty. And they that sell them uh, say, blessed be the Lord for I am rich and their own shepherds pity them not. For I will no more pity the inhabitants of the land saith the Lord. But lo, I will deliver the men, every one to his neighbor's hand and to the hand of his king And they shall smite the land, and out of their hand will I not deliver them. Let us pray together. Father, we come to you, Lord, today, and we come to give you thanks for who you are and for all that you do. And God, I pray that you might help me today as I stand and preach the word of God. Lord, I pray that you would anoint us afresh and anew with the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, today, that you would glorify yourself in everything that's said and done. Lord, you know every need and every heart that's in this place today. There's not one person here today that is here that surprises you, Lord. You knew before we ever got up and got ready this morning where we'd be and what we'd do. You knew the message that we would come in here. And God, I just pray today that you would quicken my mind and my thinking. And dear God, I could think clearly and speak clearly. And Lord, above all things, that you'd get glory unto yourself. In Christ's name, we pray and ask it. Amen and amen. I want to preach this morning from this passage of Scripture as much as I enjoy what I call expositional preaching and what our pastor primarily does week in and week out. Today, I'm going to kind of preach a little bit of a topical sermon today as we look at this passage in Zechariah chapter 11 as the prophet pronounces the fact that God's judgment is coming upon the land of Israel because those that had been in leadership roles had done a poor job. It was much like the day in which we live in America. And I think the needs are basically the same today. The people of Israel were rejecting the Lord and they were really going to reject the Messiah in the next few years as they come into the period of the New Testament time. But in our text today, he makes a statement that has always moved me in my heart i preached him this text a few times in my life, but not in many years now. But it seemed to be the thing the Lord kind of laid upon my heart and upon my mind as I, I thought about it. And our pastor had asked me to come and preach today. In our text in verse 2, he makes the statement. And he says in this ta- passage of Scripture, he said, "'How, fir tree, for the cedar is fallen, "'because the mighty are spoiled.'" I want to take that statement this morning and build my message around what he had to say to the leader of Israel. He told the little fir trees that grow there in the forest of Lebanon. He said, how, O little fir tree, for the mighty cedar has fallen. You know, you would probably be surprised as you read the word of God, how much the Bible has to say and makes a reference to the cedars of Lebanon. They were unusual trees, and they were large trees. As a matter of fact, when Solomon got ready to build the temple, he called a heron of Tyre, the king there, in 1 Kings chapter 5 and verses 8 through 10, and asked him to send the cedars of Lebanon to help build the temple in that day and to send the men from Sidonia because they were excellent builders to help him out in that time. You see, side by side in Mount Hermon and Mount Lebanon grew uh, predominantly three trees. There was the mighty cedar tree, there was the oak Bashem, and then there was the little fir tree that grew beneath them. And Zechariah the prophet takes the thing that they knew very well in the land of Israel that day. And he talked about when the mighty cedar has fallen, so will the little fir tree. He was referring to the political leaders of that day and the spiritual leaders of that day that had not done what they should have done and that allowed their nation to go corrupt and to turn away from a holy God. And the prophecy of Zechariah gave them was the fact that the Romans were getting ready to come and destroy their land. He said it was gonna be like a big forest fire And he said, open thy doors, O Lebanon, that the fire may devour thy cedars. It was kind of like when you look on the evening news and you see the fires in California and they come through and they sweep the great redwoods and they destroy whole communities of houses and people. And the judgment of God is getting ready to come upon the people of Israel. The mighty cedars had fallen And because of it, the little fir tree was gonna suffer in that day. The cedar was the giant of the forest. They said, as I was looking last night in a Bible encyclopedia and I was reading some time ago in Barnes notes on the Old Testament, that in 1818, a man went to find these great cedars in the land of Israel and there were only few left at that time, but said they were 36 feet around in circumference when you found these. He said they would grow to 120 feet tall in that day. You can imagine what massive trees they must have been. And probably there were many of them in that time. And no doubt when David built the temple that he knew they would be magnificent pieces of wood to put in that place to honor God. You find that in that time that that man that measured them said, that the limbs on the tree that he measured was 111 feet wide as a, at the bow of the tree. And so as you think about all of that, the cedar was a massive piece of wood. It was used for beams and joists and foundations. In one of the prophecies or one of the statements in the Bible, it mentions they were used for the mass of the ships when they would build large ships in that day. So it kind of tells you about why that Zechariah would use the mighty cedar to illustrate the tragedy that had come upon the land in that day. The fir tree was much smaller than the cedar tree. It was used for ceilings and flooring and spears and musical instruments from what I can find. You see, when the little fir tree fell to the ground, it didn't cause much of a reaction. The animals wasn't all that afraid. They didn't run and scamper across the woods for their life. But you know that when a tree 120 feet tall and it it was 36 feet around and if it was 111 feet wide in its branches today and probably many was much larger than that. When one of those massive cedars came falling to the ground you can imagine the ground probably shook around it and the animals were frightened, and people that heard it or were near probably knew another mighty cedar has fallen. But you see, today we need to realize that it's the same in the forest of men. Today in our nation, in our country, today in our churches today, in our homes today, there's still mighty cedars in that day. I thank God that through the years There's been mighty cedars in this church that have stood the test of time and trials and temptations. Many of them have gone on now. But they stood tall for us and showed us the way and led us in the way today. And they were mighty cedars in my life. And they were mighty cedars in many of your lives. And today I thank God that God is raising up other mighty cedars. Some of the young men that are in this church. Now it's your time to stand up and to step up. It's your time to shine. It's your time to be counted. It's your time to carry the load today. And we need to realize that. You see, the problem in America today isn't in the White House. The problem in America today is in every house and in the church house today. And it's in our houses today that we need to stand up and be counted for the cause of Christ in our lives today. You see in this auditorium this morning, every one of you that are gathered here that you're a cedar in somebody's life. It doesn't matter whether you're 10 or 12 or, or 14 or 16 or 18. I still remember when I was a young man in the FFA as a freshman. I remember the man that was the president of the FFA Wingo High School. And I remember when I first seen him get up and conduct a meeting in the FFA. And I thought, man, someday I want to be like him. And someday I want to be the president of the FFA. And even though I didn't live on the farm my junior and senior year, I was the president of the FFA at Carlisle County. I don't know if that means anything or not, probably because they couldn't get anybody else to do it. But I want to tell you that, that Harold Sanford, he, he, it stirred something inside of me. And today, you know, at that point, he was kind of a cedar in my life. I don't know what all ever happened to him or where he's at. I know he still lives in the Wingo area, but I never told him that in my life. Every one of you this morning, it doesn't matter who you are and what position you hold, there's somebody growing up under your influence and there's somebody watching your life. It may be your younger brother like myself. You know, my brother's here this morning and he was a mighty cedar in my life. In a time with no telling where I was headed and what direction that I would have taken. I quit school when I was 16. Actually, I was fifteen. You so I didn't think you could quit the 16. Well, you can't, but if you don't go, they can't, you know, I mean, what are they gonna do? Come get you? And so uh, anyway, and I'll never forget my parents who moved to eastern Kentucky. And man, i want to tell you, I thought I was pretty tough. I grew up in Carlisle County, and I I, I was pretty tough and I could hang the best stuff. I never was very big, but I was pretty quick, and and I always enjoyed a little old scramble of some kind. And and I know you wouldn't believe that, but but anyway, and and so uh, the the time came, they moved to eastern Kentucky, and when I went to eastern Kentucky, every day I went to school, they whipped me. I mean, I don't mean they 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 push me around. I mean they whoop me. I'm talking about I had knots on my head that a hat wouldn't cover them up. I mean, those old boys up there, when they whipped you, they whooped you. And, man, I tell you, after the third day, I, at dinner, I walked five miles and went home and never went back to that school again. I tell you, sometimes kids can be mean. And my brother and my sister came to visit one weekend, and Donnie told me, he said, Ronnie, if you'll come home and live with me, I'll put you to school. I'll take care of you. If you'll go to school and get you an education... And so I did that and over the next couple of years, Donnie and my sister Bonnie, I lived with both of them during that time, that they put me through school and, and helped me to get an education. I know you can't tell it when I preach, but they did. But anyway, and, 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 and he was a cedar in my life. And today, everybody in this building, you influence other people in your life. You're an influence in the community. And we need to be of greater influence. God has called us to be salt and light. And that's what we need to be doing in the culture in which we live. Brother Bob McLean sitting here this morning, he's been a cedar in my life. He and I have been friends for 45 years, I guess, or more. And we were just young preacher boys and didn't have any sense, but we thought we knew everything. And the older we got, the more we realized we didn't know hardly anything. But I want to tell you something today that it always helps when you see others that are standing to the line and and meeting the mark and trying to live for God and honoring God in our lives. And, And so there's all kinds of people that influence our lives along the way. And so as you think about that, you know, every one of us is a cedar. That little cedar tree may call you dad today. I don't know anything more important and more needed in America than the day in which we live than dads. I'm talking about men that'll be men, men that'll stand up and be counted. I'm talking about men that'll toe the line, men that have conviction and courage and character, and they walk the walk and they talk the talk, and their life is consistent day in and day out. I learned much more about being a man from my father-in-law than I did from my own dad. I don't mean to be critical of my father, but he could have been a much better example than he was. I learned more from my brother Donnie that's here today about how to love your wife, how to take care of her, how to be good to her, how to be there for her. I learned more about that. The other day, I was in the store doing my shopping and, and, and uh, I go to Ruler's because it's cheap and, uh, and they have good pea Spanish peanuts and the things that I like. And, and so anyway, and, and this lady sees me and she said, Where's your wife at? And I said, well, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. She said, I don't think I've ever seen you without your wife before. She said, I don't think I've ever seen you in public without your wife. And she's right. Because God made us to be one. And we share a lot of time together. But you know where I learned that at? I learned that from that man sitting back there on the balcony. Because the days that I live with him, They shared their life together. They went places together. But now what I find in many young men is they're saying, well, she does her thing and I do my thing. You know what? You're a nut. Let me rephrase that. Nut doesn't sound good. You're a moron. (laughs) You listen to me today. You'll never build a strong, wonderful, loving relationship if you don't spend time together. And you need to do that. You say, I'm busy. Well, if you're that busy, you're too busy. And I tell every young couple, some of them has been married recently. I said, I don't care what else you do in life. You take time for each other. You take time for each other in your life today. Because so many times we get busy and doing this and that and making a living that we forget how to live. I was watching the news the other night and they were showing those people throwing water on those policemen and I believe it was Chicago or maybe New York I can't remember. Anyway and so they had a commentator come on he was a black man and he asked him about what he thought about that. He said the problem with those young men throwing that water on those policemen is that they don't have a father at home. Amen. He said that's what's wrong with our people today and he was speaking about the black people themselves. So he said the problem with that, them people throwing that water is they didn't have anybody to teach them respect. And to be a man and said a real man don't throw water on policemen in their life. God, and that's true. We need to understand that. And we need men to stand up and to show our sons and our daughters how to be a real man today. Just because you got a pair of pants with a zipper in it doesn't make you a man today. Amen. A man's a person of character. I tell you what, Pam's father was a man. He was a real man. Oh, he didn't have a college education. He never farmed a 1,000 acres of land. He never made big bucks. And I tell you what, he was one of the biggest men that I ever knew and one of the richest men that I ever knew. Oh, he didn't have a big bank account. He had something that money can't buy. He had characters so deep that he walked in it every day. Oh, I still remember the time he gave me the talk you heard me tell the story about when I went up to pick Pam up and I cut off shorts, my melon shirt, and the three hairs on my chest. <laughs> I thought I was one cool sucker. I'd, I'd managed to get me a '63 Chevy Super Sport, four-speed in the floor, 327, 300 engine. I thought I was one cool dude. I pull up in her driveway, get out of my little Super Sport. Don't get excited. I just gave three hundred dollars for it. And, uh, and 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 I jumped on the front porch, you know, like I was somebody. I went up and whacked that door about three times, right hard. And 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 Willard come to the door. If I'd have known Willard was coming to the door, I probably wouldn't have hit it quite that hard. Willard was quite a man. He had hands that were like vices. I'm talking about vices. He was quite a man. And anyway, and I had on them white cut off shorts you know I was kind of like Bruce Gill Bruce Gill said he had some shorts on his daddy saw him and he looked at Bruce and said Bruce is them your legs or are you riding a chicken (laughs) anyway I ran I ran up up and I had on them cut off shorts I had this melon colored shirt on I didn't have it tucked in had it you know kind of flowing pretty I had the buttons unbuttoned so them three hairs right there on my chest could show I'll never forget Willard come to the door and he opened up that door he kind of looked me up and down he said I think you might have going to put you some clothes on <laughs> Ooh, you're talking about a shock I'd work for him and I'd work with him in the field that wasn't a suggestion now I know it sounded like a suggestion but that wasn't a suggestion that was a command Now, he didn't say it was a command, but I'd been around him enough that I knew it was a command. And what he meant was, boy, you go home and you get you some clothes on. If you're going to go with my daughter, you look decent. Boy, I tell you, we didn't live far away down the road, man. I got home. It wasn't long. I was back down there, son. I didn't run on the porch. When I knocked on the door, I barely knocked on the door. (laughs) I'll never forget the day we had the talk when I asked him, could I take his daughter coon hunting with me? I used to love to coon hunt and I asked him if I could take his daughter coon hunting he said come here and sit down I'll talk to you a minute and I thought he was going to tell me a good place to go hunting (laughs) oh he told me several things that had nothing to do with hunting he told me what a real man was and that real men didn't take a woman anywhere that caused anybody to question her character or her morality You never take her to places that's questionable. You always respect her and you treat her with respect. I mean, he was just that kind of man and he didn't care. He was kind. He was a wonderful man, but but he didn't really care what you thought about it. There was a medical doctor in this town years ago that done surgery on him. and, And when he come by to check on him one day, Willard is laying in the bed... And the nurse comes in and the doctor proceeds to chew the nurse out till she sheds tears. And Willard had such respect for women that he reaches out of the bed and takes that doctor by the arm and pulls him over there to him. He's a very strong man. and He said, Doc, don't let me me hear you talk to a woman like that. (laughs) I'm sure that doctor wasn't used to that kind of stuff. He said, there's no reason for any man to speak to a woman like that. And you got enough guts to do that? Well, he did. He was a man's man. You know what that doctor done? At, At dinner, he bought pizza for all the nurses. See, his dad died when he was young and his mother raised him. And he had a respect for women beyond anybody that I knew. I'm telling you the truth. He was just a man's man. And I learned so much from him. And we need men today to stand up and be men. So many men have left the will of God in their life and they put other priorities in their life. And their priority isn't their sons and their daughters and their wives but it's about making another dollar or making another show,ing or doing something else. Friend, you hadn't got but a few years to live here upon this earth and you're not going to take any of it with you. If you've got enough to feed them and clothe them and put a roof over their head today and give them a decent life, then take the rest of the time and invest it in loving your family. It don't take long to realize you ain't going to take it with you. It's nothing wrong with having money as long as you get it honestly and use it wisely. I wish that God would make every one of you a millionaire and a tither in this church. You know, I was watching the other day American Pickers. I don't know whether you ever watch American Pickers or not. You need to try it. It's a whole lot better than some of that other stuff you watch. I would like to watch that. What's that love channel you watch all the time? Hallmark. That Hallmark thing, I can't watch that. I'm not man enough to watch Hallmark. Oh, it's not that there's anything wrong with it. I'm just not man enough to watch Hallmark. I mean, it stirs my emotions and it makes me teary-eyed and I hate to cry in front of my wife. But I was watching American Pickers the other day and they went to this place where this old boy bought this brick factory. This guy looked like he was in his middle to late 30s. He was a policeman He had a boy that was four And a daughter that was seven And so you know them old boys The pickers they go in there And they see stuff they thought was unique And everything And he was talking about opening that old brick factory Back up and everything And they asked him when he was going to do it And this boy played in a group Bluegrass gospel band Melissa I mean this old boy he played They showed a little clip of his, 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 his group He said oh I don't know whether I'll ever open it up he said, you see, I've got a wife at home and I've got two children, a four-year-old boy and a seven-year-old daughter. I can tell him my boys didn't know hardly how to take him. and said, they're the priority of my life. And said, I may not ever over this place up. He said, because I want to make sure that I keep my priorities straight. And said, my wife and those two children are the priority of my life. I kind of liked him. Of course, they don't keep them people on long. Now, if it had been two queers kissing or something like that, they'd have had them on for 30 minutes. Man, there goes that, there goes that filter again. <laughs> Lord, help. I, I was watching a game show the other day. I mean, I, I had to take a nitro pill. I mean, my cow. And these old boys had won some money. And, and then you know, you got that one out there and then that other said, said, I want you the husband to come on out here. And I thought, <laughs> he is the husband. <laughs> well, no, and this other dude come out here and he looks up at him and said, we've been together 12 years and I don't care whether you lost all the money or not, honey. And I thought, what is wrong with you And at the end, they won eighty nine thousand dollars, so they could help that with their adoption of a child. And the end, here they are embracing and kissing each other. Now, I I, I wouldn't offend you for nothing, you know that. But and and I'm over on the couch going,
1: "Ah,
0: ah." (laughs) I don't care who you are. That ain't right. That is not right. And you can't make it right. And this nation is trying to make it right and they'll never make it right. There is no civilization in the point of history when they come to the place that those kind of lifestyles were acceptable, that they were not destroyed from within and America will not survive. You listen to me yeah it doesn't give up too there it come we gotta, we gotta hurry up listen listen to me God needs some men that are mighty cedars. there's young men in this church and it's time for you to stand up <laughs> the other night we had that bed building I come home that night my wife said Ronnie was there many older people up there tonight Doctor her and I said Pam we are the older people <laughs> I mean where, where does it all go I mean you know I go around and get looking for older people and I find out there isn't many that's older than I am I am one of the older people. Listen, us older people are walking off. I don't know, this could be my last sermon and somebody is gonna have to stand up and some of you young men, y'all been playing around and you're busy about doing everything else and you're doing everything for your kids except what you need to be doing and you're neglecting the house of God in your lives today. For goodness sake, when I look back over my own life, you say, what's one of the greatest regrets you have? That my daddy didn't bring me to church. I wonder how many things I could have avoided, if I couldn't have had a better life, and I wouldn't have made such a mess. I don't remember my mom and father ever taking me to church a day in my life till after I was converted in a Bible school, and not many days after that. You know, when I end up answering God's call to preach, things kind of changed in the Stinson family. I mean, all of them. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, had things changed for my brothers and my sisters and my mom and my dad? I mean, it's bad when your son comes to your house on Thursday night and says, would y'all mind if I had prayer four left? And I just pray God down on all of them. Why are they going to do this on you? I look back on that and I think, was that not a shame to do that to your mom and dad? And you, you go down to their house they feed you their food and then before you pray and you pray God down on all of them before you leave one, one, one evening my drunk uncle was there y'all haven't got none of those <laughs> Uncle Roy was a pretty good old boy but sometimes he'd tie it on for a month at a time you know what I mean And they were there, and so, man, I just prayed him sober that night. I mean, when I started praying, I prayed for Uncle Roy. He was walking a lot straighter when he left than he was when he was (laughs) You see, when you get right with God, young men, y'all going to stand up and take the lead here someday you got to be mighty cedar. When the mighty cedar falls, it's like it brings a little fir tree down with it. I cannot tell you how many young lives have been been, been destroyed because dads weren't what they should have been. Dad, did you know that your children in their eyes, you have the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of a Samson, the size of a Goliath, the brilliance of Paul, the faith of Abraham. The temptation that comes. When God lay when the devil lays the axe to that mighty cedar, and that cedar comes falling down. Have you ever been where a storm, a windstorm went through, or a tornado? You seen them old big trees come down? Just mash those little trees in the ground. That's what he's saying about them. That's what's happened in America. Those that should be leading us and standing tall have fallen to the temptations of giving in to some of those groups that cry the loudest in their fewest number. I I have got to get with it. I should have been done. I never was very good at that. Listen to me. That little fir tree may call you mom. There's nothing as great as being a mom. I, I still believe that when God created women... It was the work of art that nothing else could ever begin to compare to. When God put a woman together, He put something so unique and so amazing. And I've always said the reason that we men have such difficulty is because we were asleep when God made her. I think he should have left us awake. Because we can't figure it all out how he did it. Y'all are so uniquely designed and so amazing. You are the you are the you are the crown of God's creation. You're a marvelous, marvelous people Pam and I have been married for how long? 49 years this December Is that close? I hope it is And I still ain't figured it all out And by the time I think I get it figured out It all changes If you meant any guts you'd say amen But you ain't gonna say nothing I don't blame you Listen to me. Listen to me. There's something amazing about being a woman today. But I'm here to tell you today, in the eyes of your children, you have the courage of an Esther and the patience of a Rebecca and the care of a Priscilla. But if you fall and it can't bring that little fir tree down with you, I'll never forget years ago there's a woman attended this church. She's dead now. That girl will probably be in her fifties. She just decided she'd get a wild hair, and leave her husband, and become the party animal. That little girl was about uh, 11, 12 years old. Came to church all the time. She was nice and friendly. Then I noticed all of a sudden she'd become withdrawn in her life and become introverted. And I was very suspicious. Her mother had moved a loser in with her. You know what a loser is, don't you? But don't, I tell all these ladies all the time, some of these wonderful, precious young women in our church. They're in their 20s and they hadn't married, been married yet or anything. And I said, don't, settle, don't drag no loser home. If you have to be single all your life, don't bring a loser home with you. You got to take care of and pet him on the head and feed him, change his diaper and bottle him, burp him. Get you a real man if you're going to get a man. A man that'll love you and take care of you and be good to you. I forgot what I was preaching there, but anyway, that, that girl had become withdrawn. They brought that bum home with her moved in with her the young people I'm getting old but I want to tell you something the trend today I understand was 47% of the young people are shacking up before they get married you need to rethink that you've let somebody program you wrong anytime it's contrary to the word of God you need to back up and rethink what you're doing I know you love each other but the Bible says it's better to marry than to burn and if you're burning and you can't control the situation you need to go find your preacher and a marriage license yeah that's what I said you need to get married if you love each other if you don't love each other you don't need to be in bed together to start with oh you'll probably get some kind of sexually transmitted disease carry with you the rest of your life anyway that little girl come to find out that loser bum that her mother drug home had molested her. Of course it took it years to come out. And the filth that she felt she didn't feel like she could shake hands with nobody else at church because she felt dirty. Just sweetheart of a kid. But you know what? The old mighty cedar fell down on her one day. Just drug her down in the dirt just as deep as she could. That little cedar may call you mom. The application's unlimited. That cedar may call you pastor. He may call you deacon. May call you friend. And may call you brother or sister. I can't imagine having a pastor. They didn't stand for what's right. Preach the word of God. We're blessed in this church. I don't know about you, but I love my pastor. If you don't love him, don't tell me about it. Make me mad at you. He's a Bible preacher. You don't have to wonder what he's going to preach when you come on Sunday morning. He opens up the Word of God, explains biblical truth, makes application in your life so you can grow in the Lord. The other day I was listening to Jensen Franklin one morning before I come to church in his program. And he had the lady on that program that day that was the head of the abortion clinic that she worked in. And then she got right with God and now she stands against abortion and telling people how terrible it, awful it is. She got up that morning on that program and said, I grew up in a Baptist church and not one time did I ever hear my preacher preach against abortion. Well, God helped that poor, good-for-nothing, sorry sucker soul. If you hadn't got enough guts to stand up and preach against abortion and alcohol and murder and homosexuality and sodomy and everything, why don't you go out, get out of the ministry and find you something else to do in life? and somebody has got to call this nation back to God and we need a fire in the pulpit again to preach the word I was so proud of our pastor when he preached through Romans 1 and 2 and he laid it on the line and he cut it just right and he helped you if you had enough sense to accept it in your life that little fir tree could call you pastor he could call you friend you're the person God sent because he couldn't be there I still remember the story Bobby Moore told years ago Bobby's passed away now if you want to understand Pastored of Broadway Church in Memphis for many years great preacher one of his early pastorates they couldn't afford a bus ministry but he got a big station wagon car and every Sunday he'd go on one side of the church and pick up the kids let me back this up this older fella had a station wagon car and one and he'd go on Sunday morning he'd go on one side of the church and pick up all the kids in the station wagon he'd come back by and he'd let them off and then he'd go on the other side of the church and, and canvass that area and pick those up and he'd come back and they'd have Sunday school and church and he'd reverse the order and he'd take them all home and uh, one Sunday morning he got sick and didn't show up Brother Bobby got there and there were several men outside sending up sacrifices to the Lord. And and they were burning their sacrifice. Y'all y'all get it? Anyway. family, anyway, Pam and I laughed the other day. A Baptist church here in our community. They just read under a building the other day and they had an article in the paper about putting a new front on it and stuff. We we drove by there the other day. I'm not gonna tell you where it's at, but you know. And, and uh, they had a one of them big things like an urn that come up with a neck on and put all their cigarette butts right in the front yard. In a, in a Baptist church, right, right out front, right, right where you come up the steps. On a brand new front they put on they're so proud of. Why are y'all not laughing? <laughs> you are a motley crowd, I'm telling you but anyway, said, said he'd gather them people if he didn't come. So Brother Bobby went out there and all them people were out there smoking. That's what I was trying to tell you a while ago. And and is it, out there smoking. So Bobby said, to, well, is any of y'all pick? No, said he didn't show up. We, so Bobby gets in his station wagon and car and he goes to pick these kids up. He picks the ones up on that side. He goes there and starts picking up ones on this side. Said he hadn't driven but a couple of blocks. This one little boy said, Brother Bobby, where's Jesus at? you know being a preacher he thought he was asking him a theological question so he told him well you know he died on the cross he buried him the grave couldn't hold him he ascended to the right hand of the father he's up there making intercession for us praying for us and taking care of all he said I'm not talking about the Jesus in heaven I'm talking about the Jesus that picks me up every week wouldn't it be good if people could confuse us because of the love that we had for others in our life, I, I'm closing. I'm closing. What, what time is it anyway? Just a minute here. Yeah, anyway, I'm closing. Listen to me. I, I like to preach a little longer. But you see, when that mighty cedar falls, it affects everything in the life of the home, the church. I mean, it's kind of like old, like a stack of dominoes. Have you ever some of y'all play dominoes? I know it. But have you ever seen them? They just, I've seen them line them things up on television. Those big displays they have, and, and they look like there's a mile long and you push one domino down and they just start and they make all them circles and all turn all those bends and, and sometimes cross each other I thought man that's amazing they figured all that out that's kind of the way it is in life the dad falls affects the children the children affects their children it's generational generational yes it is it's generational Kind of like King David. I mean, where was there a more mighty cedar than King David? And David fell. Then Tamar fell. Then Absalom fell. And then Ammon fell. And then Solomon fell. Got every one of them. Every last one of them. And the same is true when we stand tall in the storms of life. How many little fir trees have fallen beneath worldly Christians? Regrown church members. Yeah, they like to. I haven't preached about that. I wish I'd thought about it earlier. I would have. Their church is destroyed through Facebook and people running around. Look, you don't need to be on there running and hanging out to dirty laundry in public. Some of you, the best thing you could do is burn your computer. Because you're making fools out of yourselves. You wasn't all that smart to start out with and then you get on that thing and make a complete idiot out of yourself. And some of you are sitting here this morning. You say, I wonder if he's talking about me. I probably am. (laughs) Yeah. This just happens once every three years so don't worry about it. I'm reminded I'm I'm done. Y'all know I'll usually close four or five times. That's closer than we was. I'm reminded of the story that Harold Cathy told years ago I don't know why but all these preachers I've known for well through the years they're all dead Harold Cathy's dead too you know what that means don't you? <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> I may be next <laughs> anyway Harold Cathy told me he's in eastern Kentucky <clears throat> at Ashland I guess it was Brother David you didn't tell me that Harold died didn't you? In the ever said there was this horse, this guy that had horses, I'm talking about high dollar horses he had a teenage son and that son got into the drug scene and all the other things and become very rebellious and finally he struck his mother one day and his dad told him that wasn't going to be tolerated and he just have to leave and that son finally one day left home, went out to one of the big cities it's been a while and some kind of disease. He's in the hospital dying. The doctor comes in and tells him, son, you ain't got long to live. I said, you got family? Would you need to contact your family? He said, Oh no, I said, I'm not worried about all that. We've been and been speaking terms, seen each other a long time, and I'll just die alone. He said, No, son, you don't want to die alone. He said, You don't want to do that to your family said you need to contact your family said if if you don't want to contact him if you'll give me the information I'll try to contact your family I don't know who done to contact him but they contacted the family got the phone call and told him said your son's here in the hospital hadn't got long to live just thought you'd probably want to know that you might want to come be with him he just has a short time to live so mom and dad catches an airplane they fly out to that city where he's at I don't remember which city it was said they go there and he only lives a few days and said in the Last days of his life. One day his mom was going down to the canteen to get something to eat or drink or whatever. The dad was sitting there in the room with his son by himself. He said his dad was trying to talk to his son, and his son told him these words. I, I just can't believe this, but Harold Cathy told this to be true. He said Dad said, Come here. said so I know I'm getting ready to die, I'm about dead. When I die. I want you to bury me in the corral where you ride your horses and said every time you ride across my grave I just want you to remember that there lays a boy that never heard his daddy pray what we need in America is some men not sending your kids to church your wife I'm talking about some men that have conviction, courage, character, that you'll stand up in this community and you'll be counted for the cause of Christ, and you'll be unashamed of the gospel. And you will raise your family in, in the church. I want to read one can can y'all show four verses of scripture on that screen or anything? Do you know? See if you can throw Psalm 92 12. Are y'all good enough to do that or is that available? I'm just asking, can you or do you know? Where's Robbie at? God bless your heart. I'll hug you after church. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like cedar at 11. Give us the next verse. Here's the next one. Verse 13. I hate to put pressure. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You want to flourish. Let me ask you something. Are you planted in this place? I want to ask you, are you planted? Is one of your goals in life to make this church a success? When I left this place because I felt like God told me to and now I'm sure he did. I was sure then too. I'm just more sure now. Didn't understand it. Still don't understand it, but I'm good with it. One thing I was committed to was to still do my part to see that this church was a lighthouse in this community. And today... If you're planted in the house of the Lord, you'll flourish like the cedars of Lebanon. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you, Lord, today and thank you for your goodness and your grace and for all that you do for us. Lord, I pray you take your word today and speak to our hearts. Lord, for dads and moms and sons and daughters, for those of us that are gathered in this place today, Lord. I pray that you'd give us the wisdom to obey you, to hear your voice, to speak to our hearts, and that you glorify yourself and everything that's done. And Lord, we pray especially if there's one here today that's lost and undone, this might be the day that they would ver- sense the very calling of God inside their heart to come and be saved. Father, do that that only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want us to stand together this morning. If you're here and spoke to your heart then you come and let him have his way with you we'll be here to help you myself, others here that can help you today to pray with you and pray for you but above all things if you're here today and you've never yet been saved I don't care whether you're 12 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 come today come today and give your heart to Jesus come today. Lead us Mike.
2: As the deer panteth for the water so my soul. Friends don't depend on somebody else. Thee, some of you young men
0: don't depend on somebody else.
2: You alone are my You guys in your 20s and 30s desire, and 40s and some of you, you just I married. to worship thee.
0: Put your big pants on and step up.
2: You alone I know it's going to cost you something, but you'll be proud you paid it. To you alone. May do what God would have you to do. Here. You know what you need to do? You've you played around long enough. Are my desire and Instead I of being grounded in the church, you've danced around the church.
0: You hit a link, miss a link, here, there, wherever.
2: I want you. You children know whether you're going to go to church or not go to church. For silver only you. Some of you like Brill Creek Salute Baptist a little dab, do you? I,
0: What's every week or two?
2: You alone are the real joy giver the apple of my eyes. See, the church is like
0: the old. Saying to the Marine Corps,
2: you still have what we need is a few my good men, to you alone may my not a bunch of sissies. Yield. You come, you whether you be in the balcony or here on the main I floor, to you come this morning, you let God have His way with you. You come. as the deer panteth for the water so my soul longeth after thee you alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship thee you are strength my shield to you alone may my spirit you alone are my heart's desire and i long to worship thee i want you more than gold or silver over oh, you can satisfy you alone are the real joy giver and the apple of my eye you alone are my streak my shield to you alone May my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship thee. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire. Would you do what God would have you to do? To worship. You be obedient to the Lord. Step out and come this morning. You alone are my strength, my shield. Come. To you alone may my spirit yield. Be obedient to the Lord. you alone. Are my heart's desire and I long to worship thee. Thank you for your presence
0: today. When you see our pastor, you, you tell him that, that my filter was good, <laughs> everything went pretty smooth. <laughs> I just hope he wasn't watching his own satellite or something somewhere. I do want to remind you in the pastor's bulletin today in his note, he talked about the fall revival with Kara Blackard. Kara Blackard is quite a preacher, a Bible preacher, and you'll be blessed. Brother Richard is going to come and take care of us.
1: Thank you, Brother Ronnie. That message will be out on Facebook for all to see for years and years and years, so I'm sure Brother Ronnie will see it at some point. I do want to make you mindful of just a few things uh, this morning before we leave. Uh, One is the men's prayer breakfast is this Saturday uh, at at 8 o'clock, and all men are welcome to participate in that. Uh, The deals will be with us next uh, Sunday night in the evening worship service at 6, and uh, they've been here with us before. And uh, if you saw them or uh, were here in attendance, you enjoyed them, and so you'll be blessed. So invite others to come with you next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Then uh, today is a big birthday for uh, Brother Tom Williams, uh, 80th birthday, and uh, he's got several family here with him today to celebrate. And so we wish him a very, very happy birthday today. And then uh, girls' night out is uh, on August the 22nd. And, uh, I've been reminded that the tickets, there's about 150 uh, tickets left. And I think we've been saying that it would be sold out, but we're not selling the tickets. So I guess it will be freed out. Uh, but, uh, those, uh, tomorrow will go to the general public. So if you are in, in this church and a lady and want to be able to attend that, you need to get your tickets today. Uh, there is also a meal for the Trace Creek ladies. I believe it, uh, it's $10 a piece and you can sign up uh, for that at the, the welcome center or out at the table in the, the foyer. So, uh, encourage you to do that because tomorrow, I think Vicki said she's got uh, some people that are going to be calling in first thing in the morning. So if you want your tickets, uh, you need to get those today. And then something that's not on the screen, but do want to remind you of, uh, Brother Brandon Hillcoin came around this morning to Sunday school classes, uh, encouraging those to help out in uh, Awana. So if you uh, would like to participate and help out in Awana, kind of goes along with the sermon today. And then also if you're in Sunday school, it goes along with uh, our Sunday school lesson where uh, Timothy is, in, Paul is encouraging Timothy to to uh, train uh, faithful men to teach others, and so I think uh, Awana is a great program, and it's uh, helping the next generation to be able to be uh, grounded in Scripture. So, uh, if you would be able, if you have the uh, nudging at all about that, that the Lord's talking to you to help out in that. Uh, see uh, Brandon; I think his phone number is in the bulletin. I know that uh, Whitney is here. I think Brandon's up in the next generation, but Whitney's here. Uh, see them; they can get you hooked up. Uh, that's uh, I think the kickoff is next month, and then it actually starts on September the eighth. Uh, but the training is August the eighteenth. So, uh, if you have any nudging at all to participate in that. uh, Get with one of them and let them help you get hooked up. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll see you back here tonight. Lord, we're just thankful for this day and for your blessings and goodness and just thank you for uh, Brother Ronnie standing before us. Lord, we just thank you for him and what he means to us and what he's uh, meant to this church through all these years. I just pray you continue blessings upon his life. Pray that you be with our pastors he's away from us. Just pray you give them uh, traveling mercies. Just pray you bring us back tonight. Give us a good day in Jesus' name. Amen.